NHR the podcast with Junior and Pat. Hello, NEI Hoops Nation, and hello, Pat. Uh, welcome to another episode of NHR the podcast. Uh, this is our uh, Fab Four special uh, show. This is going to be a, a lot of focus on the Fab Four uh, teams here, but uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, just want to give a, a, a big uh, thank you. Uh, I have a big shout out to uh, the NEI fans, coaches, and uh, players, and everybody else around uh, the NEI uh, for, for pushing us across 20,000 followers on Twitter. Um, never in my wildest imagination uh, would I have ever have, uh, thought that we would have ever crossed 20,000 when we first started this. Um, so just a big credit to everybody that is uh, has followed us. It, you know, and, and just to get a little bit in analytics, it is really, Pat, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to talk about a humble brag, you know, and, and all that. I'm not very good about that kind of stuff. But uh, um, I just think it's awesome, uh, you know, just because it, it puts the attention on NEI basketball itself, um, just the views that we've had even at the website, um, you know, and it really started in February, but even through March Madness, um, you know, we're, we're pushing uh, almost 40,000 people uh, over the rolling 30 days, uh, every 30 days uh, over rolling 30 here for almost about uh, five to six weeks here. Uh, we've been pushing 40,000 people to the website, which uh, I don't know, maybe it doesn't sound a lot to everybody else, but when you uh, started a, started this from scratch uh, three years ago and and we were watching our numbers uh, in the tens and twenties of total people, <laughs> uh, forty thousand. Uh, it's just uh, it's pretty special. And I just wanted to give a, a big shout out to NEI Nation uh, for for everything they do for us. I mean, we're we're having a million of, or going over three million impressions um, in the month of March uh, on Twitter and social media. So um, just incredible. Um, and and it, I talk it from it, you know, what we built, but. Uh, um, it's, it's obviously humbling about that aspect of it, but more so just the fact that, um, you know, I feel like the site is doing its purpose by drawing interest and, and, uh, and drawing new people in, but also drawing fans in and bringing attention, uh, to such a great NEI or such a great level in NEI basketball. Um, and that kind of translates uh, over to what we saw here in the round of 16 in Kansas city so far, um, just big time basketball. Um, and I'm just telling you, and I know there's there's a lot of talk on Twitter uh, and social media about, you know, making it free and wishing it was free so more people could watch. And, and that is that's absolutely true. Um, I do wish it was it was available, you know, on, on some format, uh, you know, maybe maybe one year we'll get everything on ESPN plus or ESPN three or something. But the, um, just the high level of basketball that we've seen over the last few days, um, it, it just it, it it's so nice to have a platform like NHR. Uh, neihoopsreport.com to be able to talk about that. And NEI has really stepped their game too at nei.org. Um, and, and they've done great tournament coverage and, and you can read a lot of stuff there too. But uh, um, just so, so awesome to, uh, to be a part of it. And, and, uh, and just for me over the last few days, be able to watch the great teams around the country play. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I think you nailed it. One, this is definitely a level that needs more attention. You have, done all the work and getting it the attention it deserves and it's only going to continue to grow and I think it's it's always awesome I think you said in the last episode it's just kind of if you're new to the level or you know new to NAI or just getting into it and you find players right and then you can see those players and they come in as freshmen or maybe they transfer in and then you're able to follow them as they you know move throughout their career and then maybe move into the pros because there are players that go pro from this level. And so I, I think it's, it's always just awesome to watch players. It's awesome to kind of learn about programs, learn about their style. Obviously you probably saw in Kansas city, 
different styles. Teams have different, you know, identities, just like teams at the Division One level have different identities. And, and there are traditional powerhouses that have been good for a really long time and, and teams that, you know, people across the nation know. And then eventually there's going to be teams that kind of come out of this thing that, you know, are maybe new to it or developing now or a program that's been just in existence for five years. So, yeah, obviously um, NAI is certainly um, starting to get the respect it deserves. There's going to be more to come, but yeah, um, exciting, you know, weekend in Kansas city with, with even more exciting uh, games to come in the fab four. Yeah. And you kind of, you kind of alluded to some of the, the teams, the, uh you know, that maybe are on the up and coming and, and we'll certainly get to the, the four teams remaining, but, uh, uh, you know, just, just watching a team like Grace, you know, who we've talked about all year long and, and, and how young they are. And really just, you know, you look at the state of the NEI and where we're at and, and you saw a lot of these round of 16 teams uh, and how young they were. I mean, this was a very youthful um, a group. I mean, I mean, starting five, I think I, I posted there's 22 freshmen and sophomores and starting lineups in the round 16, which is, which is quite a healthy margin for teams that are, that, you know, playing this late in March. You know, usually you, you look for those veteran groups. We talked about that all year long, but um, just the amount of freshmen and sophomores uh, that are, are making major contributions to, to these teams. Um, you know, you, you start with a Grace team that, you know, has a Frankie Davidson that's a sophomore. Um, you know, you have uh, Elijah Malone, who's just a, a big freshman. And, and certainly, you know, you hope that some of these guys stay in the eye because, you know, you, you know, every year, unfortunately, uh, you know, for us as fans, it's good for the players too. But uh, um, we do lose, you know, a, a handful of guys to Division One. You know, Division One comes in and poaches those kids. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, we'll see what happens with some of these guys. But Elijah Malone, I mean, I'm telling you right now, um, he was a, a man amongst boys uh, in that first game. And, and College of Idaho was so good at, uh, defensively, and, and even they were having a little bit of trouble to shut him down. Um, and, but, uh, you know, talk about that youthfulness, uh, um, you know, uh, a Concordia team who's super young and, and uh, um, you know, they played so well this entire year, one of their best seasons of, of their uh, of their history. But, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Noah Scott, who, uh, you know, a star is almost born and he had a good year as a freshman. Uh, but this tournament run, I mean, he's averaging like 20 over 20 points per game um, as a freshman uh, over the last just just from the round uh, opening round all the way through. Uh, their loss uh, on, on uh, Saturday night. So, um, you know, you just look at all these players around the country and just how good uh, some of these youngsters are. And we'll get some of the older guys too, but uh, just amazing from to me watching uh, a lot of these youngsters uh, have such big impact um, at the national tournament, especially like when you get to Kansas City. Um, and I'm telling you right now, Pat, uh, uh, <laughs> when you get to Kansas city, you better have your big boy pants on because, uh, you know, when you see, you see some of these games in the NCAA tournament and, and it's exactly what the games are like in, in Kansas city. I mean, they're physical. They're your, I mean, you have to, you have to really, really go to the rim and finish because there's not a lot of calls at the rim. Um, you know, you get a lot of calls, you get a lot more calls on the perimeter on drives than you do like uh, contact at the rim, which is just the, uh, um, you know, say what you want to about uh, that style and then how the games are called, but it is a physical brawl in most of these games. And um, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have guys that can go to rim and finish strong, I mean, you, you're in a lot of trouble. And we saw it, you know, uh, a lot of the shooting percentages were way down. Now there was some exception to the rule. I know, um, you know, a team like William Jessup got really hot in the opening round or in the round of 16 game in Kansas city. And then 
um, you know, certainly uh, uh, Thomas Moore, uh, Luke Rudy, uh, you know, was on fire uh, there in that in that uh, round of 16 game as well. And, um, you know, you still have some guys go off uh, shooting wise, but as a whole, uh, the shooting is way down in Kansas City. And it's usually like this. I know a lot of people uh, want to challenge, you know, me on that, but I've been going to Kansas City for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I know there's been big time shooting performances, but ultimately when you get to Kansas City, the shooting is really, really down, and, and it's uh, part of it's just the backdrop and the the way of the game. But uh, that's why you got to have some some you know I, I got to say some grown men you know to go go inside <laughs> and go finish at the rim because you're not getting calls at the rim and and really if you're not shooting from the outside, uh, which a lot of teams don't, the only way to score is to get to the rim and go finish. So um, a lot of great action like we talked about, but a lot of youthfulness, uh, but a lot of a lot of study young guys coming through. We've talked about Miles Corey all year long at uh, yep. uh, Arizona Christian. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I'll, I'll talk about uh, some more older classmen, you know, like Cash Williams, uh, who's a G-Sec player of the year. But, but Miles Corey and, and guys like that, that just, uh, um, you know, what they've been able to do as freshmen and sophomores. And some of them are, you know, your COVID freshmen and sophomores, but some of them are true freshmen and sophomores too. And uh, just a lot of fun to watch the youthfulness uh, in Kansas City this past week. Well, yeah, and I think that youthfulness, you know, games, you obviously at this point in the season, you're not really a freshman, but it's easy to say when you're playing a game at home, when you go on the road and you're playing the national tournament, the, the lights just naturally become a little bit brighter, right? The moment becomes a little bit bigger just by nature. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, these guys shouldn't be playing like freshmen anymore. These guys, you know, should be ready at this point, but it's just different. Like you said, in Kansas City, it's all just a little bit different. So, Credit to the young guys really stepping up. Yeah, I think a lot of them, you know, we always talk to you all year long about who's going to be the one guy that just feels like he's been in the NEI for about 10 years. So certainly, you know, you can have your pick of the litter here um, at this point. But, yeah, just a, a a great moment for a lot of these players on, on the biggest stage in all the NEI. Yep, and just talking about some of those opening round games and, and talking about some of these uh, older guys. I mean, you saw some big time – uh, performances even from like all, all Americans like Angel Johnson uh, from Arizona Christian, who's uh, I thought I think has been having a, a terrific uh, tournament. He was the GSAC Defensive Player of the Year, and um, but really uh, just scoring the ball and, and just his maturity as a as a senior, he's just been um, really fun to watch. And we've seen a lot of small guard performances, uh, a lot of big time small guard performances at the national tournament in the past. And um, you know he, he's just a little guy, but uh, man, he he just has such great control of the game and. It's no wonder Arizona Christian's uh, in, in the Fab Four just because of, you know, I mean, they, they've got big guys like Robbie Wilson and, and some other guys too, but uh, but really Angel Johnson uh, um, has been so good. And then and then even Dennis Flowers, who's actually a sophomore himself, but uh, Dennis Flowers III, who was a Carroll transfer, um, you know, that, that Arizona Christian team um, has really done well. And, and he, you know, we saw a GSAC matchup. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it, it's, a, it's a league we've talked up uh, all year long, and uh, we end up having the two GSAC teams uh, – uh, battle there in the in the uh, uh, round of eight there in the NEI quarterfinals, but uh, it was a great game and and uh, uh, Andrew Johnson was a special special player. And then uh, you know you go all the way across the board here uh, looking through things. I thought that you know I thought that if there's one team that could maybe knock off Loyola, um, it would have been College of Idaho. Only in the sense that College of Idaho just does not get sped up. Like it is truly amazing watching them play because. Um, as good as Loyola is, and Loyola turned them over a lot, which is, is ultimately going to be their Achilles heel in that game, but uh, end up costing the game. But, um, you know, they were killing Loyola on the rebounds, on the glass, which you have to do if you're going to beat Loyola. Um, you know, they were controlling the pace of the game against Loyola, which is what you have to do if you're going to beat Loyola. 
the only thing that they couldn't do, they couldn't check that third box, turn the ball over a little bit too much. Um, and uh, uh, Loyola ended up uh, getting their 19th uh, win uh, in a row and uh, advancing to the Fab Four as well. But uh, I thought that was the game of the tournament. I don't know about you, but a lot of fun to watch that one. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, credit to College of Idaho. We always talked all year long about how, how good teams just impose their will, right? And they controlled the game. They played at the tempo they wanted to play at. They, you know, like you said, didn't get sped up. And that's just what really good teams do. Just couldn't get it done at the end against a really, really good Loyola squad. But, yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to see – you talk about kind of the contrasting styles and the matchups, and that's such a unique matchup there, right, where Loyola, who is a powerhouse all year long, kind of runs into this team, you know, from Idaho in literal opposite corners of the country in a matchup in Kansas City, right, in the middle. They meet in the middle, right? And so just exciting <laughs> – Exciting matchup, but yeah, a game you'd love to see. Kind of what the tournament sets up is those matchups and those different styles and the contrast well, styles. So, let's well, college of, yeah, well, in College of Idaho, I mean, even had them, had, they hit back to back threes with a little over three minutes to go. And, and uh, I believe it was a, a five point game that they took the lead. And I, I thought Loyola was done. And then Loyola just went on a 13 1 run. They, they, they kind of do what they did, you know, like we always say, and, and both of these teams, I, I put it in the, in the preview of, of before the game, but both of these teams are so good at what they do and they're so much better at what they do than what most teams they face are at what they do. And, and really college of Idaho uh, was so good at what they did that they took Loyola out of their game a little bit on offense, but the uh, Loyola is a much better defensive team. They, they may give up a lot of points, but they're so good defensively. Um, and that's why they score a lot of points uh, and, and most teams get a lot of possessions because uh, they get a lot of steals and get out and run and, and stuff like that. But uh, uh, 13-1 to end the 13 one run to end the game uh, to put College of Idaho away. And that's what special teams do. And they actually did that um, without um, potential All-American uh, Brad Smith, who uh, uh, was out with a, what sounds like this loyal team maybe going through a little bit of a stomach bug uh, there in Kansas City. So uh, hopefully the, the day rest on Sunday will, will be good for them tonight as they go into the, the uh, uh, Fab Four matchup. Right. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there about, you know, Loyola, who is a team that wants to play fast and, it always starts on the defensive end, right? Where, where if you want to get out and run, you want to get out and, and, you know, play at a faster pace, it makes it difficult when you got to get the ball out of the net every single time down, right? So it comes with steals. It comes with, you know, defensive intensity. And you look in this game, Miles Burns and Zach Reitzel combined for nine steals. Burns had four, Reitzel had five. And so that's it right there, right? When basically your, your two best players are, are your keys that make the defense go, that's going to lead you – uh, you know, into instant offense. We've seen Reitzel especially kind of fill it up all year long. So anytime he can get going defensively and turn that into offense is, is really kind of, you know, something you got to watch out for. Yeah, and, and those two that you just mentioned, arguably the maybe two of the top five players in the NEI, which is uh, awesome to have on one game or one team, you know. So, um, but credit, credit to College Idaho. And, and, you know, unfortunately, um, the, the, the career of Ricardo time has been just a – a phenomenal player over the last uh, few years and then was the Cascade Collegiate Conference Player of the Year this year. Uh, his college career is coming to an end. Um, just a heck of a run for, for him. And they, they have a couple other guys uh, um, that are, are going to uh, end their career as well. But uh, um, the good news for the Yotes is that uh, they do have the, the, the Cascade uh, freshman of the year, Drew Wyman, uh, coming back. And uh, uh, Drew has hit some big shots too. I mean, all tournament long. But uh, um, just a kid, a special player that can have a knack for scoring. And I think, you know, uh, I think a kid like that 
you know, a true freshman um, who we've talked about quite a bit as well on the show. And uh, I think he's going to be a lot of fun over the next few years. Uh, uh, you know, obviously he was a freshman of the year out in the league, but uh, just had a had big time shot. I mean, just look on, unfrazzled uh, as a, you know, I know they're not really typically a freshman this time of year, but uh, um, for freshmen in the, in the first time lights are on in Kansas city to, to kind of put up some of the performances he had, uh, he's just going to be a special, special player to watch for years to come. Imagine if this Jets team is going to be preseason top 10 in the country um, next year, just with all the pieces that they return. But, uh, um, you know, their Achilles heel this year or the kryptonite this year, it seemed to be Arizona Christian. Yeah, obviously it is a little unfortunate. You, you know, you run into a league opponent here kind of later in the tournament, but it is what it is. But, yeah, I agree that William Jessup team, they're talented. They're really, really talented. But credit to Arizona Christian. I mean, they can really fill it up. They can really score it. It's going to be exciting. I think that, you know, the next round matchup, them versus Loyola, is going to be a track meet, right? Those teams are going to get up and down. Those teams are going to be flying around. But, yeah, William Jessup, good, really talented, young core, good core to build around. But Arizona Christian, like I said, just a, an exciting team, a team that can score in bunches. And, a, you know, looking forward to that Loyola matchup. Yeah, they're just savvy, man. I think that Arizona Christian team, I think it's the best way to, to, to kind of describe them. They're just kind of savvy, you know, like they, they, they're good defensively. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, a lot of these teams that you're going to, you're going to talk about, you know, are, are pretty good defensively. That's why they're here. But, uh, um, you know, they're just, they're just a team that, um, you know, and we'll see what they do, how they do against Loyola's the one, three, one. And they, you know, they're so long and Loyola's so long up top uh, with that with in Mount Burns and so electric and, when uh when they do get a turnover, you know he's he's basically gonna uh, get the highlight uh, tape out and uh, go dunk the basketball. But uh, um you know with the great guard play that they have with Angel Johnson and and uh, Dennis Flowers, you know, and, and some of the other guys coming off the bench, uh, um you know don't be surprised if Arizona Christian can, can hang around with this Loyola team. I mean, like I said, they're just savvy. Like they they have enough players that can make plays, and then you know they have some guys inside like Robbie Wilson and and company that. Uh, um, you know, they're, they're going to provide, or they're going to, you know, those guys inside are going to provide a, a, a mismatch a little bit. And, and not that Loyola has gone up against, uh, or haven't gone up against big, big, big or good bigs because they have, but uh, um, certainly, you know, an interesting matchup to watch. And um, I imagine Arizona Christian, we'll see if they, if they get out and run with, with Loyola or if they try to, you know, play more of a half court game. Cause I, I think this Arizona Christian team is kind of unique in that situation in the sense that they can do both. Um, you know, they can play half court and style and, and beat you, but they can also, uh, you know, get enough stops and get out and, and push the tempo a little bit. And uh, um, I, I'm interested in watching this game because I just I love watching Angelo Johnson play. I think he's a special, special player. And, um, you know, we'll see if he can handle the pressure of, of Loyola, but uh, um, certainly going to be a good game in that Fab Four uh, matchup there. But, uh, um, you know, both those teams, yeah, from the GSAC uh, were, were, you know, greatly contested all year long. And, um, you know, I thought that uh, Jessup uh, in that opening round game, I think they, I think they're the only team that shot 53%, or sorry, in the opening round in Kansas City, you know, I think they're the only team that shot over 50% uh, from three. And uh, boy, I mean, they were, they were electric in that game. I'm talking about like, when I say electric, I mean, <laughs> they were, they were throwing that ball in the ocean. I think that's how big the rim was for them. Because, uh, yeah, they were a lot of fun to watch, uh, you know, throwing the ball in the ocean and, uh, no offense to Indiana Wesley, and, uh, you know, I know Jessup got up uh, tw- tw- two different occasions, got up 20 points on them, and uh, Indiana Wesley came storming back both times. They just ran out of time there at the end uh, as they came. And, and part of that was that second run was Jessup uh, about three, three and a half minutes left, started taking the air out of the ball. And we've seen some of the teams that, you know, some of those teams like Jessup uh, that plays with 
uh, such good tempo. You know, when they start taking the air out of the ball, they they forget to score the ball. And, uh, um, you know, I felt like that happened to them late in the game. But Indiana Wesley twice made uh, uh, big runs from down 20 to try to get back into this game. But uh, um, ultimately, William Jessup just had too big of a lead that second go-around go uh, when they pushed the lead from four, back, I think back up to 22 at one point. And, um, you know, just to, like I said, th- this is a special William Jessup team, and, and they'll be back next year, uh, I have no doubt, because they uh, – you know, a lot of youngsters, a lot of talent. I think that they're so well coached. But, uh, um, you know, then you move it over even into uh, the listening quadrant with, uh, you know, I, I thought this, you know, and, and I hate to be, I don't want to come off too critical of a team of oh, scheduling. But, uh, you know, I thought this Oklahoma Wesleyan team, uh, what, a, what a route they had. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, not, not taking anything away from the team they played, uh, um, you know, but St. Catherine in the opening round of the Cal Pack, you know, I think a lot of people – uh, expecting them to obviously win that game uh, as a one sixteen, but then, uh, you know, they came into Kansas City with a win over Kansas Wesleyan. We talked about this in the on the last last show. Um, you know, a, a team kind of like uh, Arizona Christian and William Jessup, the Kryptonite. You know, they uh, kind of just been spanking uh, Kansas Wesleyan around all year long, and they they did it again uh, on that uh, Park City to get to thing. And then they had a team that matched up that they matched up really really well with in Shreve, LC Shreveport and. Um, credit Shreveport, they made a, a, a really good late uh, late season run uh, to win the Red River, and um, but with Oklahoma Wesley, and they're so good defensively, and and uh, Shreveport, you know, they run up and down a little bit. And I thought it was, it was a really tough matchup for Shreveport, just because Oklahoma Wesley kind of played uh, uh, into their hands a little bit, and were able to to uh, shut them down. But but as much as as I thought that you know that matchup was really favored Oklahoma Wesley, and um, I really thought that that Thomas Moore Oklahoma Wesley game, which ended up being a big time game. Um, you know, I thought Thomas Moore was a heavy favorite over Oklahoma Wesley. And, and unfortunately for Thomas Moore, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit about them. You know, they, they handled a SAGU team. And part of that was uh, Reed Jolly. And, and, you know, Reed Jolly went off uh, – started off the, the game six for six from the three-point line, and that will open up any game. Uh, yeah. Doing that. Half. Uh, but I thought, you know, SAGU all year long, uh, you know, they, were, they just kind of showed two different teams. You know, they showed a – a team that, you know, was, was dominant and, you know, energetic and um, had played with a lot of swag. And when they played that, they went off, you know, they were, they were a team that we saw win the, the um, you know, Sooner Athletic Conference tournament. But uh, um, unfortunately for, for Sagu, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of that uh, swag. And, and a lot of it just because they, they kind of got hit in the mouth a little bit early by Thomas Moore there um, with those threes. And uh, they just couldn't ever respond and end up getting beat by 30. But, uh um, you know, unfortunately, in that game, with uh, that Sagu game, Thomas Moore, uh, 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 Reed Jolly, who's, who's uh, you know, a really, really good player for them, uh, first team all GSAC, or sorry, first team all Mid-South, um, you know, he, he went down with about six minutes to go with a knee injury, and, and we weren't sure if he was going to play um, in, in that uh, quarterfinal game against Oklahoma Wesley, and, and uh, you know, for me, you know, I think I think uh, watching Thomas Moore as much as I have this year, he's a guy that really opens up that offense. Uh, Ryan Bate's a stud. I mean, he's he's a national player of the year candidate, and, and rightfully so. Um, and he's their best player. But I thought that, you know a guy like uh, like uh, Reed Jolly opens up their entire offense just because he can take guys outside. He can he can drive. I mean, he's such a good passer and, and uh, really complements that offense really really well. And um, unfortunately for them, uh, you know about three, four minutes into the game, uh, he went down with another knee injury, um, looked like, and uh, they took him back to the locker room, and then he came back out uh, at halftime with it with a bag of ice around his knee, and um, uh, well, we certainly hope uh, the best for him, and, and hopefully he can maybe try to give it another go here in the Fab Four, but 
Um, I, I thought a healthy Thomas Moore team was a was a uh, um, you know tough matchup for Oklahoma Wesley, and it, it kind of proved to be that way when he was on the court. They were up uh, pretty good, you know, up uh, almost double figures. But then when he went out, uh, this is a big time game. The rest of the game, and uh, I didn't think this game was ever going to end. I, I t- tweeted that out, but uh, that last fifteen seconds uh, of this game, I tell you what, uh, uh, Thomas Moore, uh, they, they they went down and. Uh, they had a four-point game, and uh, they got some really tough calls in the last 30 seconds, including the, a lane violation on a free throw that missed it to end up coming back and making it. And, uh, you know, end up uh, – and then they got a charge call on the inbounds play uh, without the ball being thrown in. You know, the one of those uh, were a smart play by the Oklahoma Wesley kid, but, um, you know, flopped over after the kid ran him over on the, before the ball was even inbound and, and the ref uh, called a charge. And, uh, end up giving Oklahoma Wesley a, a chance to uh, drop a play there uh, with about 1.7 seconds left, I think is what it was. And uh, the shot uh, uh, was a little short, but and uh, Thomas Moore survived. But uh, um, big time game in, in that one uh, ended up being, and uh, Thomas Moore ended up advancing uh, from that game. But it, that was a, it was a really really fun uh, quarterfinal matchup. Yeah, and obviously you want to see teams at full strength, right? And it's a little disappointing when you don't. You, you feel almost robbed of that. But I agree, just a, you know, kind of a knockdown drag out. It was, you know, who, who was going to be strongest last, right? Where he, I agree. It kind of didn't feel like that game was ever going to end. And it's just, you know, who can make enough plays on the stretch? Who can, who can you know, you never really want to see officiating come into it. But that's what makes these games so exciting when they're back and forth, back and forth. No offense to Sagu, but, you know, watching those 30-point games really doesn't give you much to report on or, or much to look at. So you want to see these games that are tightly contested. You want to see those games that are really just, you know, down to the wire, teams grinding it out. You know, who can get a stop last? Who can, you know, get a rebound when it matters most? And you had that in this game, right, with, with Thomas Moore just doing enough to come come out with it. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting again. We, we I just want to end that uh, quadrant talk with uh, we, we wish uh, the best of luck to uh, – to read Jolly and, and hopefully, hopefully he can come out uh, fully healthy uh, with that knee and, and uh, with a, you know, a full days of rest on, on Sunday, hopefully uh, tonight he can, uh, you know, make an appearance because he's a special player and, and uh, we always want to see a team at full strength, but also just because, you know, it's a unique situation. You don't, you know, uh, making a region of fab four is really, really tough for anybody. And you don't know if you're going to be able to do that every year. And, and for, t- you know, and, and we'll talk a little bit about these, these fab four matches, but, you know, we have teams like Loyola that, uh, you know, it's one of their first appearance in the Fab Four, and uh, I don't think they've won a, a national title in, you know, almost 40 years. So um, you got Arizona Christian team, who's it's their first year in the Fab Four. Thomas Moore, who it's their first year, and they've only been three years in the NEI, but, uh, you know, it's their first year in the Fab Four. And then you got Talladega team, uh, you know, the, only the second HBCU team, and, and big shout out to all the, the HBCUs, but the only second HBCU team um, to uh, to make a fi- to a, make a Fab Four. So, um you know, just one of those, uh, you know, this is a group that, that shows you how tough it is to make a, a Fab Four um, and even a Final Four in the NCAA. But a Fab Four, you know, just doesn't happen every year. So, uh, you know, for Reed Jolly, you know, I, I hope uh, for his sake that he can uh, make a full recovery just so he can have that experience. But uh, um, if not, uh, you know, this this Thomas Moore does team does have a, a lot of talent. Like I said, Ryan McKay is a special, special player and um, wouldn't be surprised uh, – um, you know, to see him, uh, I mean, he'll be a first-team All-American for sure, but uh, where he finishes that will uh, uh, be the question. But uh, certainly a National Player of the Year candidate um, there as well. And 
Um, but moving over into that doer quadrant, you know, another another uh, league in the, in the last one, or not, not another uh, quadrant, but so this last one um, that we, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, IU Kokomo's uh, uh, magic uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, ended in this one against Concordia um, with a 10-point loss. But uh, I thought they, they hung tough, you know, they – Unfortunately, you know, uh, when they were playing uh, their opening round games, they were, this is a, a team that I think shot like 34% from three on the year. And uh, the first two opening round games uh, against Dorton, William Penn, this is a team that, that hit a, a crap ton of threes and, um, you know, shot way above their average and uh, were on fire. But uh, um, as we've talked about, the shooting does not go well in uh, in Kansas City and they are certainly fall victim to that. I believe they were uh, two of, of 16 from three, I believe on the night. And, uh, um, you're not going to beat Concordia by doing that. And they, they hung tight and they, they had their opportunities. Uh, but, but Concordia just it seemed like every time that IU Kokomo would make a run to get within two, um, you know, somebody from Concordia, um, either Noah Scott usually or, or Carter Kent uh, would, would come up with a big play. And um, they were able to hold uh, a, a Kokomo at bay on that one. Um, and then uh, that other uh, round of 16 matchup, uh, Jamestown Talladega and um, you know, we saw, uh, we saw, obviously, we've talked all year long about Mason Walters and another National Player of the Year candidate and how dominant he's been. And uh, he had a good game against Talladega. And Talladega did, did a, we've kind of talked about this on the, on the episode before, but they kind of did what, what to do against a Jamestown team. And that is basically, you know, play Mason Walters straight up and let him kind of do whatever he's going to do and then just try to force out on everybody else. And uh, you know, Talladega is so good defensively, uh, which we another thing we've talked about all year long, but uh, uh, so good defensively. And they uh, they really shut down uh, Jameson's, Jamestown's three-point shooters. And um, when you when you can do that, you give yourself an opportunity to win. And they, they Talladega uh, certainly did that. And then uh, obviously on, on Saturday, uh, the, the nightcap there, uh, Talladega was all over Concordia. Um, got up as much as I think 22, 23 points. And, uh, you know, Concordia made a big run at the end there to, to close it uh, down to an eight point game. But uh, really this game was all Talladega. And, um, you know, again, another special defensive uh, outing um, by this Talladega squad. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that uh, uh, twice in the tournament uh, now they, they scored over 70 points. I, I'm sure that uh, uh, coach Wright, who's a friend of the program, um, you know, we, we know that he, he would much prefer uh, uh, being uh, playing in the maybe the, the high 50s, low 60s. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I know he'll take the win. Uh, but uh, uh, scoring 77 points, they kind of ran with Concordia a little bit early. And they weren't, you know, they really didn't have a lot of resistance. And some of that was just because their defense was turning into offense and, and why they were getting out and running. But, uh, um, you know, certainly a Talladega team. Uh, and I need to I need to make this point, too, because I don't know if anybody in, they would sit in Kansas City, but they have a bunch of red shirts, uh, guys sitting out uh, for, for uh, uh, Talladega. And, and uh, you know, most of those red shirts, uh, you know, it's probably from your playing time stuff. You know, they always sit underneath the rim. And let me tell you this, I don't know who those guys are, but they are big and intimidating. And I'm <laughs> certain that Talladega, when they lose all these seniors this year, are not going to fall off just by looks alone, because uh, it looked like they had a couple, couple big guys, six, nine uh, guys, and uh, certainly a lot of guys that look like they're going to be hoopers. So, um, you know, if you if you're looking for the all intimidating uh, uh, guys underneath the rim and street clothes, that was certainly they win the award for that one too, <laughs> at the, in Kansas City. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, Coach Coach Wright's a friend of the program, and uh, good to see him and, and uh, uh, Talladega and HBCU program in the uh, the Fab Four and, and two teams from from another league that we've you know the two teams that are two leagues we 
we really talked about maybe being the best two leagues in the in the country all year long were the uh, Southern States and the, and the GSAC. And, uh, um, you know, those make up three of the four teams uh, from this league. And then the Mid-South is always a dominant uh, powerhouse of a league, and they get the fourth team in. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, you want to you wanna talk about the, that uh, doer quadrant a little bit? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Talladega, like you said, friend of the program, have been really, really good all year long, especially defensively. But, yeah, I was, was shocked to see 77, you know, as a final number for them. They, they normally don't score that much, and they normally don't allow almost 70 points. But certainly a, a different style of game. But this is what the tournament's about, right? The good teams, you know, always kind of start flexing their muscle down the stretch. And for them to contain Mason Walters and Jamestown, you know, in the round of eight there, really, really is impressive for Talladega. And, yeah, like you said, IU Kokomo kind of just ran out of gas, right? They they had been playing so well for so long. You know, a, a really kind of a magical run there for them was disappointing, you know, as a Hoosier myself to see, you know, the, the Indiana schools bow out uh, there. But Well, and not, you know, to just, inter- uh, not to interject there, but kind of, kind of a surprise, uh, you know, I think I, I made the comment on Twitter, too, that the uh, first time since the early 2000s that yeah. we have not uh, had a crossroads league team. And, and, and I only used the 2000s because that's all the farther the data online goes back. It could be, it could be a little bit longer than that. Maybe somebody, one of our SID friends uh, around the country can, can actually find that deep, that uh, actual uh, number. But uh, uh, as far as the data went back, I think it was 2001 was the last time we were able to see a tournament. Um, and that's the last time that that crossroads league team uh, had not made the uh, quarterfinal matchup. So just to go off of your point there, yeah, it was a little, little bit surprising to see the D or a lot of these, uh, I know you being a, a Hoosier, you know, a lot of those uh, uh, teams in your area uh, bowed out a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that was shocking, right. To see the crossroads kind of, you know, not really have much of a presence at all in Kansas city. So um, yeah, but like I said, IU Kokomo just kind of ran out of gas there down, you know, at the end of their run, but, Talladega and Thomas Moore is going to be in it. You know, if you like defense and you like kind of grinded out games, that's going to be one you want to watch. It's going to be almost a, a first to 50 type game, I think. So, but, you know, like we said, Talladega, kind of this newfound offense, right? Where 77 points and getting up and down a little bit, maybe we'll see a different style and that different style continue, you know, into the, into the fab four. So yeah, an exciting quadrant there. We've, kind of talked a ton about Talladega all year long, but they're good. They're really good defensively. And, you know, like you said, they, they are athletic. They got athletic guys in street clothes. They get, they're long and they can just get after you. So going to be excited to see what Thomas Moore can do against them. Well, I, I just think that, uh, you know, in, in a little bit of all four of these teams, but especially Talladega and Thomas Moore, and, and you talked about, you know, maybe a grinded out style. I mean, this is going to be a slugfest. I mean, these are two teams that are made for the Nash tournament. I mean, they're physical, like they, they're going to go pound the glass. Um, I mean, everything, everything you look for, at, you know, in Kansas City and, and just how the game is called itself, because it's such a special, I can't, I can't even tell you, like describe if you haven't watched the game, like, like, you know, it, it's so funny because, like, you know, some of these teams, especially the local teams, are, are packed, you know, packing the, the lower bowl uh, in Kansas City. And, and you know, they're always screaming and yelling because there's no call at the rim. And I'm just like, you know, I've been here for 10 years. This is how it is. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, but those teams are, are built for that. And that is why it's going to be uh, such a brawl. And, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting kind of what uh, 
uh, Talladega does with Ryan Matei because he's been such a tough matchup for everybody all year long. And um, even coach, you know, some of the best coaches like Chris Briggs at Georgetown have, have really over the last couple of years really figured or uh, really had a hard time figuring out how to how to slow him down. And, uh, you know, he's so good on both ends of the floor, too, which is which is amazing. And, and this Thomas Moore team, uh, you know, it, they're going to have their hands full out with him, too, because Talladega starts two six nine guys. And it's interesting to see if, if even if uh, Reed Jolly uh, goes, um, you know, if he's not fully healthy, if, if they end up starting Noah Pack, who uh, is their big man off the bench, um, Noah had such a big-time game. Uh, uh, it really shut down Jordan Letsky from uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan, who, who is a freshman stud uh, for Oklahoma Wesleyan there. Um, but, but Noah Pack uh, is, about their tall, is their tallest player um, on their team. And, uh, you know, with Talladega starting two six nine guys, you just kind of wonder, you know, what they're going to do uh, oh, with some of that height. And, and Noah Pack certainly is a guy to, to kind of watch uh, – um, you know, uh, like I said, ten points, seven rebounds in that uh, uh, quarterfinal matchup uh, to help no or to help uh, Thomas Moore uh, advance here. But uh, um, so you certainly see him a lot. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, just uh, a terrific Fab Four game with two teams that are just gonna be. Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, uh, if, if unless they start calling a lot of fouls in that game, which it would be very disappointing uh, after watching the rest of these uh, Kansas City matchups. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of ice baths, I think, after this game from all the collisions and then just physical play uh, in this matchup. Right, and, and that's kind of the style I prefer. That's that's what you want to see, like you said, a deep tournament game where teams are just going to battle it out. Right, teams are going to get after. Teams are going to bang around on the inside. The refs, you know, maybe might let them play a little bit where it that just makes it a little a little bit more exciting. Right, where you let guys just go to war. You let guys kind of earn it each and every possession. So. Yeah, an exciting matchup, an intriguing matchup, and just excited to see, you know, I I selfishly like Talladega. I think we've kind of been high on them all year long, so um will be an interesting, interesting matchup. Yeah, and, and so five PM we're gonna we're gonna get the Arizona Christian Loyola and uh seven PM will be that Talladega uh Thomas Moore uh matchup. Uh a little bit chalky with the uh one and one on one side and two versus two on the other side, but uh um, I think it's going to be uh, two big-time matchups and uh, uh, four teams that, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that anybody's surprised that any – I mean, nobody should be surprised that any of these four teams are, are here. Um, four teams have been top ten uh, for a majority of the year. Um, you know, it would be, be interesting, Pat, to see if we get a, uh, two teams uh, from the Southern States League uh, meeting in the national title or or if uh, Arizona Christian or, or uh, Thomas Moore uh, can uh, pull off a victory and, and hold that off. But uh, – um, I'm really excited about both these games. I think, I think, uh, like I said, uh, Arizona Christian, uh, they're not going to back down from this Loyola team at all. And, and Loyola, you know, uh, who, who's right, like we said, uh, from the, from the tip off, you know, is, was heavy favorites to win the uh, national title. Uh, you know, they, they've so far have held up strong and, um, uh, with two of the best players in the country. And, and then with Brandon Davis going to be returning, uh, um, from, from, uh, the stomach bug, I would, I would anticipate, uh, that he'd be returning. Um, you know, this is a, a Fab Four that uh, um, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And and a Fab Four, you know, I, another post, you know, that we made on Twitter that, uh, um, you know, these are all four former uh, Division One uh, teams. You know, before the merger, and it's just kind of, kind of uh, just an interesting. I, I think I said crazy, but more of an interesting uh, uh, stat line. Just that uh, you know, through the two first two years of uh, of having the Fab Four in one division, uh, it's been seven of the the eight uh, five four teams have been former Division One uh, NEI programs, so uh, just kind of a, a, an odd stat. Uh, 
don't have anything else. I, I, uh, I know that uh, we'll be watching these two games uh, with high anticipation, and then uh, we will not be seeing you before the national title game, but that national title game uh, uh, will be on uh, Tuesday. Uh, it'll be on ESPN uh, free, so uh, at least we'll be able to watch uh, they get that game for free. I hope that uh, anybody that hasn't paid uh, to watch these games uh, for the national tournament, I, I do really highly hope, or I really do highly recommend uh, turning into ESPN three on uh, Tuesday night at 7 PM tomorrow night at 7 PM. Um, I think that uh, no matter who is in the national championship game, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, and certainly uh, we'll have some notes on that uh, online. So make sure you, you uh, pay to, or make sure you follow us on. Also uh, look, be on the lookout for the website. Uh, Cause we'll have a couple articles uh, out there as well. Um, Pat and I will be returning one last time for you guys all. Uh, you get to hear our beautiful voices uh, one last time as we do a, a, a final season recap. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun, Pat, as we kind of just talk about, uh, uh, you know, just to give everybody a, a little bit of what that'll entail. Uh, we will talk about the national champion, uh, whoever that may be out of the five four, um, and then do just kind of do a pre, or just do a, a recap of, of some of the season and and some notes, and then uh, uh, kind of turn our attention to next year a little bit and just talk about. We've talked a lot about the youth. Uh, around the NEI, but uh, um, just some of our thoughts as uh, moving forward uh, in the next year as uh, as the offseason begins. It's crazy that uh, the season's almost ending, uh, Pat, but uh, it's been been one heck of a ride so far. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get a fitting finish here at the end. So it's been a great tournament, been a great, been a great season. Excited to see it all play out. Excited to, to name a new national champion. Until next time, it is Junior Pat signing off.